Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fight fans, we welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live, quarantine edition coming to you from Brooklyn, New York, Dan Canobio. Soon I'll be joined by Kermit Batia. You know him as the host of the Ask the Experts podcast, former HBO boxing producer as well. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe to our page on YouTube at Copybox TV. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, subscribe everywhere. Try to get the show here and keep it going for you as we go through a ridiculously tough time uh, in the world. Boxing is on the way. But I want to start out by saying a fight of the year did emerge here for 2020, and it is not who you would think it would be. Kim Kardashian versus Kourtney Kardashian, and I broke it all down. Don't ever come at me like you that. Don't, I swear to God, I'll punch you in your face. Okay, here we go. A fight years in the making between two giants at the top of their game. It's Kim Kardashian versus her sister, Courtney. Here it is, the tale of tape for our main event of the night. As you can see, if I had a Telestrator, I would circle the net worth. Kim has made a lot more money in her career than Courtney. Do not think that didn't play a role in this fight. We were not able to get the weights for each of these two ladies and the claim to fame. I think you know what it is. Now on to the fight. The opening moments start with a quick bottle toss and some good old-fashioned ground tussling. Kim throws the first punch of the fight, a partially blocked right hand at sound defense from Courtney to parry with the blow and blunt the hard-charging media mogul. First meaningful strike presents itself in the form of a quick but precise front kick from Kim. It's at this point we learn that Courtney is a counter-striker, a strategy that will pay dividends later on versus the over-aggressive Kim. Courtney lands a beautifully placed counter kick followed by a right hand that misses the mark. Referee and youngest sister Chloe makes her first appearance in the fight to break up the holding. At this point, Courtney is retreating. She's on her bike and the fight spills into the hallway and this is when we get some really good exchanges. An overhand right from Kim finds the mark. Courtney counters with a left hook low kick combination. These ladies are banging. With the round coming to a close, Courtney lands another monster right hand, a punch she has really found a home for in this fight. All Kim can muster at this point is a few measly slaps. Not gonna cut it. We go to the scorecards, but first the final CompuBox punch stats brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. As you can see, Kim was a little more active, but it was Courtney who was more accurate. Courtney had a counter for every one of Kim's failed attempts. A clear 10-9 round for Courtney. Your winner, and still undefeated, the pride of Calabasas, California, Courtney Kardashian. Dan, great work there. I guess that's, uh, we always wanted siblings to fight, right? For a long time, people wanted the Klitschko brothers to unify. That never happened. We got the Kardashian sisters. Uh, well yeah, done was, there. You know what, man? Uh, I got a lot of time in my hands, so I'm thinking <laughs> these fights. Actually, a friend of mine sent me that video and said, you have to break this down. I didn't even know about it because I don't watch the Kardashian sisters, but once I got a hold of that, that fight footage, I was like, damn, they really threw down. There was like legitimate punches, kicks, front stomps. I mean... You're used to doing power punches and jabs. You had to add slaps, right? That was that tough to add that into the mix. 
Yes, there were a lot of slaps, and it was also makeup being smeared on the wall. A lot of people said oh that uh, Kim's makeup doesn't smear. Hate to expose you, but it did a little bit. Had fun with that. We're going to do some more celebrity breakdowns. Uh, so if you have any really funny fight videos that you have, celebrity fights, send them to me at, at Dan Kenobi on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to break legitimately anything down at this point. Fight of the year. <laughs> Sadly, it is the fight of the year. But let's move forward uh, with our first topic of the show. And uh, this is something that's obviously changing on a daily basis. But uh, I think it was last week the governor of Florida, uh, Governor DeSantis, deemed that the WWE was an essential business. Uh, whether your thoughts you agree on that or not, that's it, it's uh, it's a moot point. But it looks like the WWE is going to be able to continue doing their shows uh, in Florida. And this led the door to be open for boxing. Bob Arum came in and said that he's going to start contacting uh, the WWE. Obviously, he has a very good relationship. Him and Todd DeBuff have a good relationship with Vince McMahon and uh, the powers that be over at the WWE because of their many collaborations. Most recently, uh, Tyson Fury uh, participating in the WWE. I was at the Fury Wilder fight. I was at the post fight party and Stephanie McMahon and Triple H were both there. They were dancing with Bob Arum, legitimately, li literally dancing along uh, with each other. So there's a good relationship there, but that's something we can see. This is a development that we can see is, is boxing being uh, put on in uh, obviously with no crowd in Florida at the WWE complex current. Yeah. I mean, they're saying WWE is an essential business. I think we're all going to need an explanation as to why it's an essential business. Um, but it does open the door to boxing. As you mentioned, Bob Arum said, quote, it's very, very interesting. We're going to be in touch with them. Right. So he's interested in doing that as are all fight promoters. Dana White is looking at what May 9th now as the next UFC card. So you can tell these guys are itching to get back in there. If it's allowed in Florida for WWE, that probably means that it's going to be allowed for other sports. So that's that's the big thing here. At the same time, we, we saw that President Trump has made his sports task force, bringing in top people from everywhere. Of course, there's no one in boxing uh, that was represented in that. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see. Someone in sports is going to have to be first, right, in terms of doing an event, and, and they're going to have to figure out how to make it safe. Someone's going to have to do that. Maybe it's WWE, and that leads to boxing. You brought up this, this task force, and you brought up that the fact that boxing – uh, wasn't represented and uh, because there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. We know that. We know that for a long time. But Bob Arum, I feel like, is the voice of reason uh, in the boxing world at the moment right now, at least here in America. You know, Al Heyman is behind the scenes. Oscar De La Hoya uh, doesn't have as prominent of a stable that Bob Arum does or the longstanding uh, role in boxing that Bob Arum does. So I listen to when Bob Arum talks and I have to respect some of the things he is saying and how he's gone about uh, this getting back boxing. And he goes, listen, I am not going to rush back. I'm going to make sure it's safe. I'm going to take cues from other sports. I'm going to take cues from MLB. I'm going to take cues from NFL and NBA because they are bigger than us. They are more funded than us. Could you imagine, I don't want to pile on Dana White, because you imagine Dana White saying something like that. He can never admit that there's a bigger entity than the UFC, but it's refreshing to hear Bob Arum say these types of things where, you know what, I'm not going to jump into this. We're not going to just do this so we can make a buck. We're going to do it safely, and this is how it's going to happen. This is how it's going to come back. It's going to be shows without fans, or without obviously. It's going to be in closed, closed environments, and we've got to find the right place. They can try to do it. At the at the uh, uh, top ranked gym, but this I don't I think he said that they're not capable. It's not a it's not that big enough of a uh, of a, an arena or or they still have the capabilities to do a, a live event uh, from their facility in Vegas. 
Yeah, I mean, the one thing that combat sports has over other sports is it's one person versus one person and then obviously trainers and stuff, but it's not a team sport, right? They have that advantage over team sports where obviously team sport, you're going to have five, 10 people, maybe more all in one area. So combat sports actually has a leg up in terms of coming back due to safety. Yeah, and also another thing of note that Aram said is that when it comes to having no fans, fighters in his stable that are... Uh, bigger stars, you know, the Tyson Furies, the uh, Terrence Crawfords, uh, you know, go down the list of guys that bring in a lot of ticket sales. If they really want to fight, if they're antsy, he'll put them in the ring. But you have to know that you're not going to get the same amount of money. You're not going to get that gate. Just for, in- you know, for instance, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, that was a $17 million gate in Las Vegas, one of the highest of all time. The fighters divvy up that money. They're not getting that. Uh, on uh, this sense, so maybe they get it through through television, but you know that's a story for down the road. I don't think we're going to get big big time fights right away. I think we're going to get fighters, uh, lower level fighters, maybe like Shakur Stevenson and, and those types of fi- those types of fighters. But it's interesting times. I think we're getting to as we get more and more into this quarantine, more and more into this into this coronavirus life, we're starting to see sports uh, trickle in and more and more details come out. But I do think we're going to see boxing sometime around June. And it's going to be in, in closed arenas. Just like you at home, I am constantly on Twitter and constantly on Instagram. I'm fiending out for some boxing content. And it's been tough to, to get some fresh news. But we're also seeing fighters that are using this time current to up their stocks, you know, up their game, whether it's calling other fighters out or whether it's making TikToks. Uh, for one, Joseph Parker. I think he needs to be elevated to heavyweight champion of the world or or heavyweight champion of TikTok. Have you seen some of the stuff he's been putting out? Oh, Joseph Parker's killing it. Him in the uh, car, four versions of himself. <laughs> I mean, he's he's going above and beyond, and that's great. That's what we want from our fighters right now. We're all locked at home in quarantine. We want content. There's no live sports. We follow these athletes, and we want to see them doing these type of things. I think that's obviously great. I think if you're a fighter and athlete, there's no reason not to jump on an Instagram live engage with your fans, talk to them. We talked about Clarissa Shields, uh, I think last show, she went on Instagram live yesterday and she said, Hey, haters come at me. Talk to me. What, what's, what's your issue? Let's, let's break it down. And she just invited people into the chat and they started talking with her. I think that's a great way to just engage fans right now. So if you're doing that on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you're winning right now as an athlete. Yeah, you got to understand it in boxing. It's a sport where self-promotion is key and no, no one's going to promote for you. Your promoters will help, but it's mostly it's a one person sport. So you got to go out there and, and do it yourself. And it's kind of tough in these times where we know we're not getting boxing and a lot of guys are just sitting around. So you might get some good stuff. You might get some bad stuff like guys like Tiafimo Lopez uh, that I'm a huge fan of. And I think he he will do every interview possible. He'll give you every soundbite that you want. He will tell you. You, he'll tell you what you want to hear during these these interviews. I think he's done a great job. Even going back to when I had him on the Instagram Live and he revealed that he had asthma. And uh, I think that you hear from a 22-year-old uh, healthy world champion that, you know what, I am susceptible to this disease or this 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 virus just like anyone else. So I think that really helped. I thought he's done a, a good job uh, ri- raising his profile. Another thing is the IBF. Uh, I didn't know that the IBF was located in, in New Jersey, but they've been doing some great things in terms of raising money, raising funds uh, for food banks in New Jersey. They put in a $5,000 uh, donation. I, I think they have a GoFundMe page that we will I will share either on, on social media or try to share it on this show here where you can donate uh, through uh, the IBF towards uh, New Jersey. So there's a lot of fighters doing good. It's a lot of fighters not really using this time to uh, better themselves, whether it's throwing out conspiracy theories like Amir Khan and Terrence Crawford and Danny Garcia, 
or guys like, trash talking a little too much like Devin Haney. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously the Twitter fingers are out right now, right, in terms of trash talk, people going back and forth, uh, trying to say, hey, sign this contract, do this. Obviously, right now, it's going to be tough for any contract to have a actual date, a venue, things like that. They're going to have to be worked out. So who knows if an actual contract can be completed. At the same time, you brought up fighters talking about conspiracy theories. I mean, at the end of the day, we follow these athletes and they have a platforms. They have millions of followers. So there is a responsibility there, I think, that fighters should have now that doesn't mean that doesn't at all mean shut up and dribble i want fighters to talk about whatever they want to talk about but i do think that they should be a little bit more aware that if you float a conspiracy theory without proper evidence people may take that as fact or share that with other people and that can be dangerous so i think if you're gonna give a give a theory about what's going on at least be researched about it yeah it's especially dangerous for kids i mean a lot of kids look up at terrence crawford a lot of kids Look up to Danny Garcia. I mean, these are guys that are reached the pinnacle uh, of their careers and the pinnacle of sport. Exactly. Like, you're not going to fool me with some of this stuff. And I mean, I'll look into it and, and that. But if you have someone that's just scrolling through and, and you see that, you know, Terrence Crawford isn't taking quarantine series or uh, Danny Garcia shares a 5G thing, it's like, come on, guys. Like, uh, why don't you research it a little bit? Another great thing, though, that uh, Fighter is doing, and this is a guy that has continually does amazing work in his region. That's Jose Ramirez. He is sort of the fund, and he's helping out the agricultural industry in California, which has been hit really hard. So props to Jose Ramirez, who is one of the best guys in all of boxing. Legitimately the nicest guy in the world. I remember talking to uh, Regis Progre at Vegas, and I said, oh, I saw Jose Ramirez is here. Did you did you go up to him and, and talk some trash? He goes, it's impossible to talk trash <laughs> to Jose Ramirez. He's the nicest guy in the world. So uh, props to, to Jose Ramirez, and props to all the fighters out there uh, that are doing really, really good things. Another thing to keep an eye on, Karen, is these Twitter yeah. beefs. I, mm-hmm. I am someone that's glued to Twitter. I just told you. I am on Twitter all day, especially now. My screen time is somehow 26 hours a day somehow. But Amazing. I cannot keep up with all the Twitter beats right now. If you're keeping track at home, I had to actually write it down because there's so damn many of them. Tiafimo versus Devin Haney went down on Twitter. Tiafimo sure. versus uh, – well, I wrote Tiafimo versus Devin Haney twice. Terrence Crawford versus <laughs> Jermel uh, uh, Charlo. Yep. Keep going up and down the list. There's so many Twitter beefs going on. Both fighters are all calling each other out. We're not getting these fights, so what's the purpose of it all? Crawford versus Thurman, that's another one, right? They said, send me the contract. We talked about Shields versus Breakhouse last time. These guys are going back and forth, and like I said, I think that's good that fighters engaging and talking. The hard part for us as fans is like, when are we actually going to see these fights? And let's hope that once training camp comes back and fighters are actually making matchups, that this these Twitter beefs and this energy to, to sign contracts and make matchups continues. Hopefully it's not just a side effect of quarantine of being bored in your house and saying oh i'm gonna challenge that guy that's kind of annoying me on twitter that type of thing i listen i love Devin haney i think he's one of the best young fighters in the game i think he's gonna have a huge impact on the sport i I honestly think he could be like the face of the sport in a couple of years but he's gotta just just chill out with the calling (laughs) these guys out it's every day He's like going to box rack, finding a new guy, calling them out. <laughs> the latest is Gary Russell Jr. Like, I haven't heard a thing about that. Unprovoked, he's just like at Gary Russell and was like, I will destroy you. You're a bo- <laughs> I'm the boogeyman. Like, it gets to the point where, you know, these are almost falling on deaf ears. Like, you know, call out fights that we think that can happen. Like, you and Ryan Garcia is a fight that, you know, maybe two years down the line could be huge fight uh, in boxing. But you versus Gary Russell, like, come on, leave the guy alone. I mean, he's only fights once a year. And, <laughs> He ain't fighting anytime soon. 
I think Crawford calling out the PBC guys, though, is great because we have all wanted Crawford to fight some of those guys. And if they're engaging in talk, hopefully that can lead to the promoters making those matchups. That's that's huge. So I want to see that keep going. But to your point, you don't want to just go down the rankings and call out every single person. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you got to stop doing that. And I, I, these fighters have a lot of time in their hands and having a lot of time in your hands with a huge Twitter account and a Twitter following. Not the greatest thing. Let's round out the show with some quick hitters, and we'll start with Floyd Mayweather. In addition to signing this deal where he's going to uh, do these virtual reality with this uh, moving forward, very interesting things in the technological world with Floyd. He's always one step ahead of everyone. Also said he wants to get into training. Uh, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic for Floyd Mayweather, the trainer. Uh, we've seen Floyd Mayweather, the promoter, have mixed results. It's very tough. I mean, we've seen this in other sports where guys like Wayne Gretzky was not a good head coach because he's the great one and no one can ever get to that level. It's hard for guys like them to relate to fighters that don't have the skills. What are your thoughts on uh, Floyd Mayweather getting into the training world? Yeah, Floyd last year, towards the end of last year, said he was going to get back in the ring. He put up posters of him fighting Conor McGregor, Khabib. He had some recent deaths in his family. That included his uncle, Roger Mayweather, who was his trainer for a long time. That motivated him to become a trainer himself. Um, Obviously, the great mind of Floyd Mayweather should be involved in teaching young fighters i think that's great because he he has a lot to offer and he's not uh he he didn't take too much punishment through his career so he's obviously sharp he can pass that on but to your point great athletes uh sometimes have a tough time being great coaches he might be looking at a fighter and saying hey Use a shoulder roll, move around the ring. Why are you getting hit? He may not be able to understand why fighters are getting hit, and it might be a tough thing to do. That's why they've always said mid-level guys are sometimes the best coaches because they know what it takes to maybe go from the mid-level to the great level, right, and and the things that you have to do. So I think it's going to be an interesting experiment, but he does have a sharp boxing mind, and there there's definitely a lot of knowledge there. So I'll be interested to see uh, who he trains and how that works out. Yeah, I hope it's not like a flavor of the uh, the week, for lack of a better term for it. You know, like obviously he's going through a lot and, you know, he's a human just like all of us. You may act, you may think that, that Floyd is not is not a human, but he is. Uh, so he obviously he felt the, these losses that he went through in his life and he said, you know what, I'm going to start using my skills and using and passing along to the next generation. We hope it's not just, you know, something that he's going to dip his toe in and then maybe like a year he's over it. But it's tough. I mean, look at Ted Williams. He was one of the best hitters of all time. He was not a good hitting coach because he would just say, just hit it like I did. You know, just <laughs> hit 406. Just do what I did. Not, it's easy. Not not that easy. Not right. That easy. And, well, the one thing Floyd should do real quick is that he should give a masterclass on how to uh, build your persona, right? How to become that villain, yeah. how to get pay-per-view buys. I think that would be a great masterclass for a lot of young fighters about how to build your personality and get pay-per-views. And we also have seen him, how he promotes, you know, Javante Davis. He's kind of like sometimes stands in front of Javante Davis when he's promoting him. So, you know, it's going to be hard for him uh, to train a guy and then all the attention. It actually could might actually on the flip side could work out uh, for a fighter because, you know, if you don't, if you want to just in the beginning of your career have, you know, go take the the, the back way in and have Floyd take all the, the, the attention, you could potentially coast through early on, but then it gets to a point. Uh, where Floyd is going to have to get his. But moving forward here, more uh, trainer notes. This is something that we talked about on our show months ago. It was when Andy Ruiz, we found out he was going to uh, get rid of uh, Manny Robles. I mean, there was a lot of discussions about who was going to train 
Eddie, uh, who was going to train Andy Ruiz. You know, Teddy Atlas was being thrown around. I never thought Teddy was the right guy for the job. I thought that Teddy was too loud. He was too in the face. That's not going to work with someone like Andy Ruiz. So now we, I threw out the idea of Eddie Reynoso. It makes all the sense in the world when it comes to uh, – they're both Mexican guys. They're both uh, – Eddie Reynoso is building – quite the stable out in San Diego, or whether it's Canelo, whether it's uh, Oscar Valdez, whether it's Ryan Garcia, he's starting to build a carve out a, a nice stable. He has obviously has time to train more guys. I think that right there, now we're working with something here. Andy Ruiz, Andy Reynoso. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Andy Ruiz making a change is probably a good thing based on his last performance. The motivation just wasn't there. If he was willing to go in the Teddy Atlas method, which means you've heard Tim Bradley talk about this. He was trained by Teddy Atlas at one point. He said he couldn't make a phone call in the gym. He couldn't break eye contact, right? It was very strict. Now, if Andy Ruiz was able to do that, that would probably be good for him. But that's a lot to uh, commit to, right? So maybe it's good to get someone who the Mexican-American heritage, like you said, there's a group of guys there that he can bond with, learn from, he can take notes and they can kind of work together. So it does seem like that could definitely be a good partnership. And they're probably on the same wavelength in terms of how strict training is going to be. You want to be strict enough that you're training, losing weight, doing the right things, but not too much so where it's military style. Yeah, I think Canelo is a great leader, lead by example type of guy. Look at what's done for Ryan Garcia. I think that Andy Ruiz can get back on track simply by watching and training alongside uh, Canelo Alvarez. All right, Karen, we're going to end the show uh, on a sad note. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we have we all know people that have been touched by coronavirus. We all might know someone that has passed away uh, from coronavirus. This next person I'm about to bring up, I did not actually know him that well, but I had several run-ins with him. Of course, I'm talking about Anthony Causey. He is a probably one of the best sports photographers in the country, if not the world. He worked for New York Post since 1994. He is the man behind such epic photos of uh, you know Derek Jeter tapping the Joe DiMaggio sign in Old Yankee Stadium on his way to the dugout. He was also the guy behind the Mariano Rivera photo of him exiting the bullpen uh, in Yankee Stadium for the last time before they closed down uh, the Yankee Stadium. The guy has been everywhere, and he also uh, he happened to pass away at the age of 48 uh, to coronavirus just last week. And uh, he was a big boxing and MMA guy too. He is, if you take a look at his Instagram and you take a look at some of his work, he was uh, had some great photos, whether it was Conor McGregor, uh, whether it was the Deontay Wilder, uh, Dominic Brazil knockout. He had good photos from that. He had a lot of stuff from, from Klitschko and Jennings. And also if you get to know, uh, just listen to some of his peers talk about him, he got photos and he got access to things that no other photographer would get. Conor McGregor even uh, retweeted and, and sent out a message because he got McGregor to um, do a, a fighter profile photos right before his fight with Cowboy Cerrone. So it, up until January, Anthony Causey was out there doing his thing. I actually had a few run-in, run-ins with him myself. First time I met him was when I was standing online outside the Mayweather McGregor press conference in Barclays Center. And he tapped me on the shoulder, me and my brother Nick, and said, you're on the wrong line, man. You got to come to this line. Come follow me. Ended up seeing him again in Vegas uh, outside of the arena, T-Mobile, before Mayweather McGregor. And I remembered his face. And I saw him once again at Yankee Stadium uh, for, at, for a playoff game uh, just last year. And I remembered his face because he's a guy that you just remember, just a major loss in the boxing world, a major loss in sports, a major major loss in life because he was a really good guy. 
Yeah, no, it's it's terrible when anyone gets sick or dies from this virus. When it happens in your world, it becomes even that much more real. This is someone, he was just 48 years old. Like you mentioned, he was a staple in the boxing community and the sports community, these iconic photos. And I think it's great that you brought up an act of kindness that he did that really speaks to the person he was. We also have to mention Eddie Cotton, who passed away at 72 years old to coronavirus. So it's it's an unfortunate time. And, and like we said, it becomes all that much more real when it's people that are in your orbit and in your world. Yeah, it's touching all sorts of all aspects of life. It's touching the boxing world. It's touching the sports world. You know what? I didn't actually know anyone personally that passed away, but when I saw that Anthony Causey uh, passed away, it really hit home, and it really makes you think about how we're going to move on with our lives and how are we going to be uh, uh, moving forward. But that's a wrap on this edition of Inside Boxing Live. Current, thank you so much for joining us once again. We're going to come back next week with more news. Hopefully we have more news to bring you on this boxing world. We can get boxing back into your lives because we desperately need it. Get me to stop breaking down Kardashian fights. Coming to you next week. Thank you for watching, everyone. We'll see you next week.